welcome to the October 2022 episode of RCV Clips, our podcast about all things ranked choice voting. I'm Kelly, a member of the Resource Center staff. In today's episode, I'll be talking with Armin Sammy, creator of the Ranked Choice Voting Visualizer tool called RCViz, and Chris Hughes, our Director of Policy, about results reporting. Armin, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. We're so glad to have you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Let's start out by telling us something really interesting about yourself. Chris, you go first. What? Oh, my God. Uh, Last week, I um, danced at my friend Sangeet, which is a like the pre-party before the official ceremony for an Indian wedding. So that's a fun fact about me. (laughs) That is awesome. I love that. I want to know more about that. We'll talk about that a little more. All right, Armin, your turn. I don't know any fun facts about me. I feel like Chris knows more fun facts about me than I know about myself. Talk about your bike dash cam. Yeah. So as a full-time job, I run a company that tries to make bike lanes safer. And I had a viral run-in with a police officer who was very upset that I asked him to not park in the bike lane. Uh, and that has been a storm of press trying to learn about this officer's uh, activities. So fun fact indeed. Fun fact indeed. And I actually um, caught the video and watched a few of the videos that you posted. So I think keep fighting the good fight on that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) For sure. So let's go ahead and get started. Armin, you're a friend of the Resource Center. We've worked with you on so many things and um, on RCBiz throughout the years. But tell us a little bit about how you became connected into ranked choice voting. What piqued your interest about ranked choice voting? Yeah, actually, I, I lived in Berkeley, California, and didn't know what ranked choice voting was. I used it on my ballots, but I'd never heard of it. I didn't know how the tabulation worked. And it was just a very easy way for me to vote. And after 2016, I got more political. And I was like, what fundamental reforms can improve our democracy? And I learned about ranked choice voting and realized I'd been doing it for years. And I was like, this is how everybody should be voting. It was so easy that you don't even need to know that you're doing it to do it. Wow, that's a really great statement. And I feel like I need to cut that soundbite and use it in a lot of places. Because one of the things we hear about ranked choice voting sometimes is that people think voters are going to be confused by it or that it's not easy. But um, you just spoke the exact words that they need to hear. You can vote in ranked choice voting and not even know you're doing it. (laughs) So that's great. So we're going to talk a lot about results reporting today and some of the actions you took to help with the reform of ranked choice voting. But before we do that, I want to get Chris to weigh in on some things for us. So let's set the stage, Chris. What's the importance of results reporting in election, first of all? Why is that so important? And how is this RCV election reporting different from a regular plurality election? So it's a big question. I'll try and keep my answer as brief as possible, but I might go on for a bit. I think the first thing is, I might sort of be stating the obvious by saying this, but results reporting is probably the most important thing. I mean, maybe the second most important thing after designing your ballots, you're telling voters who won, what happened in the election. And so it's central to running a successful election, having voters understand what happened in the election. That's what results do. And I think the thing to keep in mind, too, is there's essentially two flavors of election results. There's unofficial results, 
the stuff that pretty much everybody is used to getting the election night results, the things that like the AP reports out on election night, what we see on CNN and Fox News, etc. And then there's official results, which are the final certified results. Those don't tend to come out for another week or two or more after election day. And the difference between those two is unofficial results don't always include every single ballot. There's going to be some ballots that are cast at a polling place that can't be counted because they're provisional ballots. Uh, Election officials will need to check the eligibility of voters who cast provisional ballots. There will be, in some jurisdictions, late arriving uh, absentee vote by mail ballots or military overseas ballots that can't get counted until after election day. And other sort of like miscellaneous ballots, ballots that couldn't get scanned because they had tears or water damage or something. So that's unofficial results. That includes stuff directly from polling places and in some places, vote by mail ballots that were counted before election day. And then official results include every single ballot. I think this may sound familiar to people. We've had sort of more of a conversation about how votes get counted after election day in the last few years. For good and for ill, certain people have tried to fearmonger or scaremonger about the fact that counting ballots can take time. But that's the difference. And that's the answer to the first question. Super important. People are all really focused on unofficial or election night results. Then how are ranked choice voting results different from plurality? One, again, the first answer is a little obvious. They're very different (laughs) because you're not just counting up votes. You're counting votes in rounds. That's what makes ranked choice voting different. Voters get to rank candidates in order of preference, and then we have to count those ballots in rounds to figure out who won. That's the big difference. And that's what a big focus in ranked choice voting results reporting is, is showing those rounds of counting, breaking those rounds of counting down, making sure voters understand that. And we're going to be talking about that a lot on the podcast, so I won't go much more into it now, but that's the big changes. There's this round by round count that we need to show voters how it works. And the other thing is related to what I was saying about unofficial versus official results. In practice, we've seen ranked choice voting jurisdictions tend to take a bit more time to produce round by round results. Many jurisdictions, New York City, Maine, the state of Alaska, have waited a week or more to produce round-by-round results in ranked choice voting elections. We've just seen an introduction of this time lag between election day and when we get our first set of round-by-round results. So that's been a thing that's emerging in ranked choice voting. We've seen that in other contexts, too. Again, that's why we've seen this discussion about what it means to count ballots after election day in Pennsylvania in 2020 across the country since then. But those are the the big things we're seeing in how election results work generally and and what's happening in ranked choice voting in particular. That's really interesting. And I think you're right. Some of the confusion over results reporting really comes from this this idea of, oh, why does it take so much time? Or, you know, is something going on that we don't know about? But it simply isn't. It's simply the way election administration is, is done. You know, it's not just being at the polls to allow voters to vote on election day. There are many jobs that surround election day that administrators are working on really throughout the year, um, results reporting being one of them. So, Armin, you came up with a pretty cool solution to help voters visualize the round-by-round count for RCV. So tell us, what triggered you to create a tool like this? Yeah, so if you look at some cities... And you look at the ranked choice voting results, it's very hard to figure out what happened. And so just like explaining ranked choice voting out loud, you can either say, you know, here's what everybody got in the first round, and then the second round, and then the third round, and it's just a lot of numbers that you're documenting. Or you can simplify it and say, here's who won, 
and then tell a story. Say, you know, this started with four candidates and the two of them got eliminated and most of candidate three's votes went to the top winner and that's why they ended up winning. And you can sort of spin this story or you can just recite a ton of numbers. And what a lot of cities do is the latter. They're just spitting out 300 different numbers at you, you know? Round one, here are the 10 people who were running. Here are all their votes. Here's how all those votes transferred. Here's how many of them became inactive after this round. And it's just an overwhelming number of values. And so it just, it seemed like we needed an easier way to just look at a single graph and say, oh, I get what happened. This person won. And if you care for more details, you can figure out exactly how they won. And so it came out of a need from seeing how people don't do it well. And then trying to not be the end-all be-all, but an example of how you can do these results well. So I really like the way you described the results reporting as telling a story, because that's really what it is. And, you know, humans over time, we know that we learn information or absorb information best when it's in a story format. So I think that's a really nice analogy for how to share the ranked choice voting results. So. Chris, any thoughts on that? What Armin is talking about highlights what is one of the really big transition steps to ranked choice voting is helping voters get comfortable with this new form of results reporting. And that's what having a narrative around it, breaking the information down, making it more approachable will do. It eases that transition. It helps voters get their heads around what is a new system, what's novel to them. And that's just such an important part of helping voters gain trust in ranked choice voting. The default thing that people want to do when they do results reporting is start with the round one and then go to round two and then go to round three. And that is how you tabulate, but that's not what the voter cares about. The thing the voter cares about most is who won. And the second thing is how. And so you have to flip your mindset. You can't start with round one because that's not the important information. The important information is who won, and then you can work backwards from there. I think that's a really important point. And I think we don't think about that a lot of times when we're inside the administration of ranked choice voting. You know, we're sort of down in the weeds at the Resource Center. But that's a really important part. I mean, that's what you're looking for. I know when I'm watching results on election night, I'm looking for the percentages and I'm looking for the who's ahead. And, you know, so I think that's important. So why you created the visualizer is clear. Now the question is how you created the visualizer. You had an idea. You have specialized skills. How did you make this happen? I've actually never made a website like this before. My skill set is not in websites. So how it actually happened was a pretty fun day. I was taking an Uber to the airport because I was running late and I couldn't take BART. And there was a huge crash on the Bay Bridge. And so I was delayed for an hour on the Bay Bridge. So I missed my flight and the next flight was 12 hours away. And so I was stuck in the airport for 12 hours. And in that 12 hours, I created the first version of RCBiz. I sat at the airport. I was in a lounge with unlimited drinks. And by the end, I'm sure my code was pretty sloppy. That was the, the birth of RCBiz, was that one day, 12 hours stuck in the airport. And yeah, I mean, my, my skill set is in coding and computer graphics specifically. So I do a lot of 3D graphics, you know, the types of technology you'd see in a Pixar movie, which isn't directly related to RCBiz, but what that brought to the table is this idea of aesthetics and making it just really easy to understand what's going on without having to think about it, right? 
Like there's so much you can put into a visualization that's technical and that a lot of RCV wonks want you to put in. And you have to push back and say no to 90% of the feature requests because you just want to really, really keep it simple and clear. Absolutely. I know this is a slightly off topic, but I have to ask, have you actually done a Pixar movie? I have not. I've, I've not worked on Pixar movie, but I did work on tech that is uh, very similar to what they use in Pixar movies. So while doing my, I started a PhD, I didn't finish it, but at the start of my PhD, I was working on what's called cloth simulation. So like when Pixar characters wear clothing, they use that technology to make the clothing look realistic as they move through the world. So not a Pixar movie, but technology that may have even be used by Pixar. I'm not sure. That's pretty cool. Uh, I didn't realize that's exactly what your coding expertise was in. So it's really interesting. So let's talk a little bit. So you've talked about, you know, what are the things that we need in RCViz and we need to keep it simple and understandable by the majority of people, not just people who really are in the weeds of ranked choice voting. So let's talk a little bit about the work group we formed during the process of sort of fine tuning the message in RCViz. Yeah, so the initial version was built to go hand in hand with RCTAB, formerly known as the Universal Tabulator. So they had a tabulator, they created a, a file that was just hard to understand what the results were. And so I worked with the folks from Brightspots to create this visualizer that turns their computer formatted data into something visual. But the first version was not pretty. It was a pretty technical graph. It was very understandable to me. It was a diagram called a Sankey diagram. And when I saw Sankey's, like my brain, it just, it works with my brain. I just get it. But then we formed this work group, which included folks from the Resource Center and from FairVote. Uh, and it became clear that most people's brains don't work like my brain. And so we started creating additional visualizations that basically got to the point that you see now in RCViz, where there's six or seven different ways to visualize the same data. And different people have different preferences for what their preferred visualization is. Mine is still the Sankey because I can see the whole thing in one go. But most people prefer the bar graph because they're just used to that. They're just used to data being presented in that way. I'd also say that I think, especially when they're new to ranked choice voting, people find the bar graph a little more approachable. What I've heard from people over time is like, as they get more used to it, as they get more comfortable with how everything gets counted, they sort of want to see a bit more behind the scenes. And that's what's interesting about the Sankey diagram is it presents a lot of information pretty quickly in a like visually interesting way, but you can really dig in on some patterns and stuff that might emerge from the Sankey diagram that you won't necessarily see, you know, in a bar chart. That's what's interesting about all these different visualizations is they highlight slightly different forms of information just because like we've been sort of hinting at throughout the process, there's just a lot more information that you could give a voter in ranked choice voting. And it's about prioritizing what sort of information is most important, winner first, the rest of the story second, and other forms of information like how did votes transfer? That's what Sankeys are interesting for. You know, how did this specific candidate do? That's how, what some of the other visualizations that RCVS has are really good for, um, which I think is interesting just to highlight those different types of information you can get for ranked choice voting. I think ranked choice voting, one of the reasons it's so good in my mind is we want as much information from the voters as possible to know their intent, to know what they want. And I think this highlights that 
So I want to talk a little bit about some of the process that we went through. I know we spent a lot of time doing meetings and kind of talking about what does a voter really want to know? How should we present that so that the voter will actually use the tool? I'm interested for everyone to hear about our um, user testing and why did we do that, first of all? And second of all, what did we learn from that? Yeah, so just like I was saying that, you know, my brain works well with the Sankey and it wasn't clear that the working group did not have their brains work in the same way. I think it's important to go outside of people who are always thinking about RCV and make sure that we're being understandable, not just to me, not just to the smaller group, but to the general public. So we reached out to people who lived in New York City before the first New York City ranked choice voting election because they had been educated on what ranked choice voting was, but had never seen results, which was the exact audience that we wanted. And we asked them to use RCBiz and explain what was happening. You know, did they immediately understand that there was a winner, who the winner was, how the votes got transferred? And we asked them more and more complicated questions, and they recorded their screen for about 20 minutes. And we would just watch them exploring the tool and saw that they started from not really getting it and then got more and more information as they clicked around, which is exactly what we wanted to happen. One of the other things we found out was that for the multi-winner form of ranked choice voting, voters in New York City were very confused. They thought that there was a three-way tie, not three seats being elected, which makes sense because they were never trained or taught about multi-winner RCV. They don't have that in New York City which I think also shows the need for education before you actually get to the ballot box, right? RCVIS doesn't stand on its own. It's part of an ecosystem of education that comes with the introduction of ranked choice voting. Yeah, I think that's totally right. And it's something we, we talk about with election administrators and with community groups a lot, is there's two buckets of voter education. One is the sort of obvious teach voters how to use the ballot. And the second is that teach voters that the basics of how results are going to get counted. I'd say in our experience, you know, most voters aren't super keyed into that question before Election Day, but it becomes very interesting to them after Election Day when they're trying to figure out what happened. And having something like RCVIS is an important tool, but you need other materials to that break that information down and, and help answer people's questions about what's going on in the election. You know, that's why we were really intentional about helping the users of RCVIS to see some things in writing about what was actually happening and really explanation, not just moving colors and bars. But, and I always kind of go back to something that Rosemary said recently about RCVIS. We were talking about this podcast in a team meeting, and you know, she's a former election administrator. And she says, the thing I love the most about RCVIS is that we don't have voters knocking on our door wanting to understand the, the results if they have something like RCBiz. So <laughs> it's a self-help, do-it-at-home kind of tool that you spend a lot of time working on that and, and making sure that people, the broadest range of people could understand it. So, I mean, I know this tool has been used in some elections, both formally and informally. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, who's used it? Who's been interested in it? Yeah, so RCVIS has been used by over a million voters at this point, just a huge number of people. It's used as part of the official election reporting in a few cities, especially across Utah, and as part of unofficial reporting in nearly every RCV election throughout the United States. So it's a free tool. Anyone can upload election data to RCVIS and then share that link around. And that means that for basically every election, a resident of, you know, say it's San Francisco, a resident of San Francisco will upload the election data to RCVIS and then share that around. 
And so we, we've hosted basically every election that's happened in the United States through ranked choice voting in the last four years. That's exciting. And I think this leads really nicely into our next question. You know, this is truly a case study in technology meets real world need. So Chris, tell us why are these kind of tools in particular so important in the RCB reporting space? There's a few reasons. I think the first one is just showing that it's possible to visualize ranked choice voting results in an engaging, effective, useful way for voters. My sense is, and like I wasn't here before we had the results display best practices at Center for Civic Design put together. RCVIS, you know, came together during my first few years in this space too. But I got the sense that people just in the U.S. hadn't put a ton of thought into how to do this well and how to make voters understand ranked choice voting really effectively at least once votes were getting counted. When that sort of work isn't getting done, people just assume you can't do it. But turns out you can. (laughs) So I think one, is just a great proof of concept. Two, related to that is there's a bunch of different results reporting vendors out there that provide tools to elections offices across the country, to counties, to states, to help them report results. As far as I know, and please, if any of them are listening to this, reach out to me and correct me on this point, But as far as I know, none of them have ranked choice voting built into those tools, which, you know, isn't a deal breaker for a place adopting ranked choice voting, but it adds an extra layer of friction to the implementation. And it adds an extra layer of friction for voters, too, to not be able to just go to the normal place they would go to get results on an election. And I think, again, because we have this proof of concept that ideally means we can start breaking down those barriers that results reporting vendors may have up to incorporating ranked choice voting because they were just uninterested or didn't feel the necessity to integrate ranked choice voting into their systems. I think those are the two really big things is proving that you can do it and then getting the institutional actors who unfortunately aren't investing in doing new things to feel the need to do that, to integrate it into their system so that more places can use it, so that more voters can get good ranked choice voting visualizations. Yeah, and I'll add that we integrate with most existing tabulation systems. So if you use Dominion or RCTAB, there's basically no excuse to also package it nicely, right? To have the RCVIS results next to it. And I think in doing so, we've set a baseline for media organizations who are reporting on ranked choice voting because they are free to create their own graphics, but there's a baseline now. And they can either just copy and paste RCVIS or allow to embed it onto whatever website they want, or they can recreate the visualization, but no one's going and making worse visualizations than RCVIS anymore. Right? No one's just reporting first and last round anymore because there's no reason to. There's best practices out there, and those best practices are, are free to use. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, bringing this kind of information into the mainstream where people actually know the tools are available is critical to sort of helping election administrators feel less anxious about implementing. You know, the more we know about how to design the ballot and how to you know, tabulate the votes and how to report the results the easier it becomes for other places to adopt ranked choice voting and implement that successfully out of the gate. RCVIS is open source. So anyone who sees something and wants to contribute to RCVIS is free to go to GitHub, download it, and contribute. And there's a lot we have left to do. So if you are an expert in web development, 
We need a ton of help making it accessible to screen readers. We need help getting it to connect to ESNS tabulation data. And we have a list of things that you can just get online and start writing code and submit a pull request and help us out. And we'll include the link to that GitHub uh, with this podcast. Yes, we sure will. And hopefully this will garner some some volunteers. I wish I knew how to do that because I think it's fascinating to, um, you know, for the code to turn into that. <laughs> it's really cool. It sometimes feels like magic. It sometimes feels like magic. Yes, it does. Especially from this side of it, it feels a little like magic. <laughs> so final question. This has become our signature question for RCB Clips. Describe your passion for making technology work for democracy in three words or less. Build better tools. Help voters learn. Magic results reporting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Chris and Armin. Um, It's always a pleasure. Hopefully we'll get to see you more often than we have in the last few months. We've, we've missed seeing you and, and we look forward to seeing what else comes with RCViz and how people really um, in the mainstream start using it even more and more. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, useful tidbit, or something we just thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's Sam Prescott, our Development and Communications Specialist, with this month's final round. Have you heard of post-election canvassing? Laws vary from state to state, but all states have a period set aside, post-election, to determine the final vote counts. These canvas dates are put in place to give election officials time to finish counting ballots and confirm vote counts. In some jurisdictions, these timelines also give vote-by-mail ballots, or overseas and military ballots more time to arrive. After every eligible ballot is counted and all election materials are put away, vote counts are certified, creating final official results. This administrative assurance makes it this month's final round. Thank you for joining us today for our October 2022 RCV Clips episode produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to the show for the latest episodes and updates. Please take a minute to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about the RCVRC and Ranked Choice Voting, check out our website at www.rcvresources.org. The production of this podcast is supported by the generosity of our donors. Donations can be made directly on the website or by texting DONATERCV, that's D-O-N-A-T-E-R-C-V, in all caps and all one word, to 51555. Please don't hesitate to contact us with any donation questions at donate at rcvresources.org. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rcvresources and on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Our theme music today is Flutterby by Poddington Bear. And until next time, I'm Kelly Goss-Secrest on behalf of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center.